Welcome to Come Talk Health Radio. My goal here is to have conversations with anyone curious about health from a holistic viewpoint. Holistic by definition includes everything. So from a holistic point of view, there is nothing that does not impact your health. Although many, many things will have very, very small impact. I am happy to go down whatever rabbit hole fascinates you, but at some point I will bring our conversations back to the issues that make the biggest impact. I believe we all have wisdom to share. I know you have lessons for me, and I have been told many times that if you really want to learn something, teach it. I am not a licensed health professional. I am simply your peer. I desire to be of service to any of you listening who may now be where I once was. So now is the time to call in and join the health revolution. The number is 516-531-9475. This show is live seven days a week from noon until 3 p.m. Eastern. Now here's a song by my friend Allison David from the UK off her album Believe.
Welcome to Come Talk Health Radio. I am your host, Scott Kusland. Today is a beautiful, sunny day. We had a bit of snow here in Massachusetts yesterday, but it is pretty much all gone. On this Tuesday, March 24th of 2020. So at the end of yesterday's show, I was like, hmm. What am I going to talk about tomorrow? And uh, up until yesterday, it would pretty much the the next thing just popped into my head. I was like, oh, cool. Let's talk about that. But after yesterday's show, nothing was really coming to mind. And uh, so I, when I created the the episode and you know talk put it in its description for today, I was like, well, I'll just call it Open Phone Lines and or what's on my mind and uh, and the, you know the my goal for this show was and is to you know have conversations with people and and you know everyone learns in a in a different way and they have a different starting point and um so you know after I wrote my book and was um I have a, actually a, a little uh, saying by Seth Godin up on my wall to remind me that, you know, yeah, I wrote a book, but like that was really, you know, a book for me just to kind of crystallize my ideas and, um, and for, you know, 
whatever amount of people resonate with the particular way that I I expressed my uh, myself in that book. Anyway, this this little uh, wall poster I have up from Seth Godin. It says, "Best work followed by best work, followed by more best work." is far more useful and generous than merely doing your best work once and insisting we understand you. So that's a reminder to me that like writing come uh, the ultimate scavenger hunt. Um, yeah, that was great, but like there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, there are things in that or maybe everything in that isn't really going to make sense to you, um, which is, you know, when I started to come back to my 16-year-old dream at this point um, to, about having a talk show and, and having one-on-one -on -one conversations. So it could really, um, you guys, you know, out there who are interested in the topic of alternative healing and could help me uh, express it in different ways that's, you know, that will hopefully be helpful for lots of other people like whoever it is that's in conversation with me on any, um, on any particular day. So when I woke up this morning, I was like, hmm, I actually have a few things that I'd like to to talk about that I didn't go into either didn't talk about at all or or uh, didn't go into very much detail about so the three topics I have today um, the first one I'll talk about is proprioception which is a fancy scientific -y <laughs> word that uh, the, the, sh the definition I put on the the show description is uh, the sense of self-movement and body position. And this is a word that was first introduced to me by uh, my girlfriend at that time. This was back in 2010, somewhere between 2010 and 2012. And um, she is a doctor of chiropractic. And uh, in one of our conversations about health and, you know, how we, wanted to help change change the face of medicine on the, on the planet she had mentioned this this word proprioception and and I'm a huge geek so I was like oh, what I've never heard this word what is it tell me more <laughs> uh so that's I'll spend a little bit of time on that not a whole bunch um then I will talk about momentum um it's Kind of a, it's a term that I've heard come up uh, quite a bit when learning, you know, about like starting your own business and um, that you need to to create a momentum to, you know, um, get moving. You know, if you're if you're standing still, you know, you're gonna life is gonna pass you by type of an idea. And you know, how does momentum apply to healing and, and health and wellness? And probably won't spend a whole bunch of time on that either. Um, and then the third topic of the day is terrain versus germ theory. 
And um, this was the very first mind-blowing thing that I learned from Albert Snow, who is the, the GI guy that uh, was my mentor and continues to be. Kind of now we're you know, more peers and mentor each other. But um, he had a, a radio show. And the you know he gave me a whole bunch of cassette tapes, um, recordings of the shows he'd done in the past, um, to take home and study you know before I actually started working for him. And the one that blew me away the most was an interview he did with a guy named Zane Baranowski. And uh, Zane um, has developed different products for the nutraceutical, nutritional supplement industry. And uh, he was behind a product called called Living Earth, which uh, is a soil-based bacterial uh, supplement. And I don't know if it's still still in production or not, but anyway, uh, he has a, a PDF out there on the interwebs, um, kind of going over that, uh, what he talked with, with Skip Snow that day on, on that radio show called, uh, Living Earth, I believe was the, the name of the show on that cassette tape I listened to back in the winter of 2003. So that's the layout for the show. I um, had a nice surprise today as I was starting up. I had two people in the chat room. I had, um, looks like BTR Tester Platinum joined the conversation. BTR Tester. So I'm guessing that's, uh, you know, a a staff member of Blog Talk Radio coming to see if I'm actually doing something here. <laughs> and um, and then I had another person, Francis, Francisco, it looks like, or Francis Corsi. Anyway, came and went. Maybe he'll check out the recording later. Um, and just, you know, I, I think I should uh, make it a practice to remind everyone that this is a designed to be a talk show, and I would love to have you guys join the conversation. And um, the guest call-in number, 516-531-9475. You can also connect via Skype, I believe. Um, of course, I have... Uh, <laughs> Um, what part of me was like, well, I really should listen to other people's shows and kind of get used to the platform. And well, you know, there's plans and then there's what you do. But anyway, I was checking out the, uh, you know, what are all the features that I I have at the uh, subscription level that I have here? And there can be 250 different people connected to my switchboard at one time. So I'm like, man, I wonder how the how you would manage that. Like, did they weigh, do they have a way of filtering it or um, sorting it by different ways? I guess I'll find out maybe if you know, if I ever get that popular. But 
you know, it looks like it could easily fit like 10 or so people on the, on one page here. Anyway, um, so I got some feedback by a couple of uh, friends of mine who have listened to the archive show. One was, and it's interesting to me that both of these people live in California, one uh, in Los Angeles and one in San Francisco. And uh, the Los Angeles listener is my brother, John. Amen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback. He, John asked me if I would tag the uh, the show with you know w- when I start talking about different subjects. So I am going to start to get in, you know, try to have a discipline of writing down when I start talking about different things. And um, and then for my friend Sean up in San Francisco, he said, yeah, you you mentioned about getting off on tangents. How about if you had like notes for what you want to cover, it might help you stay on topic. And uh, of the two feedbacks, that was, I don't know, a little bit more of a like, ah, man, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, and, you know, and I had this, you know, a similar, but much less, of a response to the idea of, you know, putting timestamps on when I talk, start talking and finish talking about a subject. But, you know, I think I've, I've uh, talked a little bit about, you know, going off on tangents is just kind of part of who I am. Like, do I re- really want to rein that in? And I'm pretty much on the no side of that. <laughs> But um, and I'm like, well, if you know, if if someone is on the on the uh, show with me, you know, connected to the switchboard, and we're having a conversation, you know, if you're in a conversation, it's you know, partly your responsibility to um, you know, be an active part of it and you know, speak up if things are starting to bore you or. Uh, or you had, you know, you want to have, take some time and you know share your two cents instead of listening to a monologue, <laughs> which has you know been the reality of the show up up through this eighth episode. Um, but you know, the other part of me is like, well, you know, <laughs> ignoring your, your your customer base, you know, in this case the listeners to this show, ignoring that feedback that I get is really bad idea, especially when they, you know, both suggestions, you know, I think are really good and it would serve me well to heed them to some degree. We'll see how, uh, how that uh, unfurls as I progress onward in my career as a talk show host, <laughs> if you can call doing something unpaid a career, which, Oh, Hey, which speaking of being paid or not, um, you know, my intention is for this to be, um, you know, a, a listener-supported program, you know, by donation only. And, um, you know, if if any of you are uh, excited to have someone like me available to uh, 
talk about, you know, your deepest questions about the mysteries of life. Um, you know, I, uh, I have a PayPal account that I've used to make donations to other people, including my friend, uh, AJ Miller down in Australia. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my best to kind of walk the path that he's, he's walked and, uh, everything that he does is, is for free. You know, um, the, the, what he calls them assistance groups. He's been doing, uh, nine or 10 day assistance groups. I went to one in Texas back in 2013 and, you know, I had to pay for, for the lodging for the retreat, for the retreat center we were at. But, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, it was just a box on the on the back table for donations. And, um, you know, he doesn't charge for any, you know, there's no paywall for, you know, any of his presentations. They're all up for free on YouTube and Vimeo. So, uh, you know, I want to do the same thing. I want to make, make this all, you know, just a gift. And if you want to gift to me, you know, as part of your gratefulness of having this, uh, this show available, then wonderful. Um, my uh, PayPal is Scott period Kusland at gmail.com, which is the kind of my catch-all email address. I've got like six of them, six or seven email addresses. And this is the one that I use freely with, you know, any company that asks me for my email. Um, and then I've got a bunch of others that I've given out to various, you know, friends and family over the years, but hardly anybody uses email anymore in my circle. So it's kind of not a big deal. Um, and then there's, I have a Patreon page too, but, uh, I haven't really completely set it up, but it makes it easy to like do recurring donations type of a thing. But, uh, at some point I'll, I, well, I may or may not do that. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, ways that uh, you guys can interact with me short of getting on the phone and calling that, you know, there's, there's a chat room that is available during the live shows. Um, I have a Twitter account dedicated to um, basically just uh, announcing the shows, but I was like, oh, people could interact with me there too. That's at Come Talk Health on Twitter. Um, my I have a Facebook page. Um, you know, it's Facebook.com/slash/ComeTalkHealth. You can interact with me there. You can send an email to ComeTalkHealth at gmail.com um, or Scott Kuslin at gmail.com. I don't I don't really mind. I'll see you. See him either way, um, and of course, uh, the cell phone number that I've been encouraging people to to text if they connect to the show, um, you know, either be via the uh, dial-in number or or Skype. I assume that's possible. Anyway, connecting to the switchboard, and I, and there's just dead silence. That means that I put the mic on mute and 
I'm either you know practicing my piano or and or guitar, or I'm taking a walk outside, getting some vitamin D, or cleaning up. <laughs> uh, and that number is five zero eight two zero seven eight one two nine. And of course, you can call that number and leave voicemails. That number, especially now, will pretty much always be uh, direct to voicemail. Um, all right, that covers all the logistics stuff. Let's see, where's our time here? We're at two thirty-five. Two hours thirty-five minutes left. And we're going to start talking about proprioception. And let's see, where is my Firefox window for the different tabs I set up earlier today? So I just went to to Wikipedia. Um, it's interesting to see, you know, there are some people who are just like, oh, my God, like, I knew as soon as I saw they used a Wikipedia reference that they weren't worth listening to. <laughs> and, you know, I've been using it for years. I, I I think it's fantastic. Of course, you know, there are uh, some sensitive uh, subjects that there's basically an ongoing war <laughs> to edit and, uh, you know, add content to and then someone else who is has a strong opinion in the opposite side of the argument will just delete it or you know depending on what you want to learn about wikipedia can be yeah it can be uh not not a very good place to uh find unbiased truth but uh you know for less contentious uh less uh controversial subjects I find it, you know, it's the easiest place to go. And, you know, the there's lots of, uh, you know, references generally listed for the, you know, for non-controversial pages. I mean, they're, oftentimes on controversial pages, there's quite a lot of references. But anyway, um, one of the things we'll talk about later um, is very controversial, especially now with the... Uh, the whole uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic, which I referred to yesterday as in conversation as the, uh, it's really a, a fear pandemic, in my opinion, more than anything. Um, you know, in fear is no joke in how it affects your immune system. You know, being in a, in a fight or flight emotional state is going to reduce the effects, you know, the efficiency and the, uh, you know, what works and what doesn't in your immune system. So I really respect, you know, where anybody is as far as that goes. But uh, so tangent, tangent alert. Um, so when are we really starting to talk about proprioception? 2.32 left. <laughs> All right. So on Wikipedia here. Um, so the definition that I pasted into the show description is here. Um, then it, it says, uh, 
Proprioception, also referred to as kinesthesia, is the sense of self-movement and body position. It is sometimes described as the sixth sense. And then they get into a bunch of, you know, 25-cent words. Um, but they're, you know, proprioception is, is part of your, uh, your body's sensory network. And just like you can sense touch, um, your body has senses for pressure, for magnetics, which was kind of mind-blowing. But it also has what are called mechanosensory neurons that are within muscles, tendons, and joints. So when you uh, lift your arm or bend a finger, um, those signals from those sensors, you can think of like if there was a sensor inside of the hinge of a door and when you open it, you know, that gets sent off to your home security system. Um, so when you bend your finger, that information from the joint goes back up into your cerebellum, I believe, in the back of your back of your skull. And um, what I learned about that was, you know, initially I I, I uh, was introduced to that by my uh, girlfriend, who was a chiropractor, and then a couple of years later, I um, had moved down to. Uh, the Asheville, North Carolina area, and I, uh, you know, found a chiropractor down there, and uh, he had studied with Dr. Cobb, and Dr. Cobb has an education company called Z, like the letter Z as in zebra. Z Health, and I'm on that tab now for his uh, website, ZHealthEducation.com, and he uh, has the description as Z Health is an education company dedicated to providing cutting-edge applied pain and performance neurology training to elite health and fitness professionals around the world. And uh, my chiropractor down in Asheville, he had been through, you know, there are different phases of training. And if memory serves, he had been through all different, all three of the, the phases. And he had a bunch of the stuff of the, the training on DVD. So he uh, let me borrow those and I, I uh, watched through them all, and um, the w one very practical thing that I learned from Z Health was they talked about how when the the map of where your body is in space, you know which joints are are bent and which muscles are activated and all this, is constantly being updated in the back of your skull, back of your brain in the cerebellum, and when you don't move, that map fades away, and your, 
your brain literally f- like forgets where your where your limbs are, where you, you know where everything is. And even more kind of more cool was the fact that your your brain has a map of everything within your personal space, which is like ooh, that's kind of ninja stuff there, like being able to you know having a map in your mind of things that are even behind you. Um, but anyway, the, uh, what he talks about is that when that map of where your fingers and toes and arms and legs are fades away, the muscles tighten. Um, it's like a protective mechanism to keep you from moving too quickly in the wrong direction while the body isn't really sure where all your limbs are. And I was like, wow, that explains why when I've done cross-country trips, I mean, the first cross-country trip I really made was um, between California and Augusta, Georgia, just before I went over to Korea for a year for some more training on a different satellite terminal. And, uh, you know, after two, three hours, like the back of my neck would just tighten up. And I was, you know, tough macho soldier guy and just kind of plowed on through and just kind of massage my own neck as I'm driving to loosen it up every once in a while. And I was like, man, this, this is not a whole lot of fun. No wonder people don't like driving long distances. <laughs> so that was back in, let's see, 1987, the winter of 87, I think I was driving to Georgia. Um, and then... Let's see, 13 years to the new millennium, millennium, and then another 13 years probably before I learned that from uh, Dr. Cobb. So, you know, at least 25 years later, I figure out why it was that my neck was so tight. <laughs> because my body wasn't moving. I was pretty much sitting stationary behind the driver's wheel, you know, Occasionally changing lanes and you know changing my foot position a little bit to give more gas or less gas, but you know back then I would drive for three four hours without stopping and uh, it, it I found after I started playing with uh the ankle and wrist rotation drills that uh, are part of like the basic phase of z health. That when I did that every 20, 30 minutes, just rotated, you know, had the cruise control on, like rotated my ankles, rotated my wrists, you know, shift around, did a little kind of seated uh, car dance (laughs) to get more of my mechanoreceptors firing so my brain would have a uh, a fresh map of where everything is, and it would relax my muscles. So after that point, 
I've never had a sore neck driving long distances. Of course, I don't go four hours at a time anymore. It's you, you know, I'll stop every hour, two at the most generally, and every once in a great while I'll go as long as three hours before taking a break. But usually like hour and a half increments. I'm taking pit stops when I'm doing cross country drives, but no more tight muscles, which was just like such a gift. Um, so I was, you know, when I, when I remembered that I hadn't really talked about proprioception in any of the uh, previous episodes, I was like, oh man, well, I gotta, gotta do a little, little something about that. Um, so there you are <laughs> for any of you that, uh, drive long distances, whether as your daily job or as just something you do, you know, once a year on family vacation, you have ankle and and uh, wrist rotation drills you can do, and uh, it'll be much more enjoyable experience than maybe you ever thought possible. So let's see. I can close zhealtheducation.com. And Wikipedia, and make a note of what time we're at here. 2:22. So we just did 10 minutes on proprioception. And the next topic. Let's see. Actually, I'd written down some notes, um, and I covered it all. Excellent. Um, next topic is momentum. So 2:22. This is remaining. So what I have written down here on my little notepad is that momentum, you know, it's a core concept that's important in all areas of life. You know, basically, momentum determines how fast you will move towards any goal. And since this is a show talking about health, <laughs> talk about a healing momentum. You know, so when I would do, you know, either private consultations or just consultations over the counter with whoever happened to be walking in that day when I wasn't uh, tucked away in my office behind a closed door, um, I would. You know, I would often bring this up with people when they, uh, um, you know, were curious enough and had enough time that uh, our conversation would go go long enough to get to a point like this. Um, and sometimes, you know, we had regular customers and may not get there on the first conversation, but you know, they were coming back every some every week, you know, some maybe once or twice a month, but. Uh, it's really an important concept that you know one of the things as a as a health coach or a health professional of any stripe licensed or not you have to set up the you know the expectations you know what is likely to happen you know with in medicine we're you know pretty much i think everyone's familiar with the idea of a diagnosis so like 
the dreaded cancer diagnosis. It's like, well, Mr. Jones, you know, you have stage four pancreatic cancer and we expect you to live between three months and six months. So that's a pretty strong momentum towards death. Um, And to be able to take someone who has stage four cancer and return them to a state of health just logically is going to take a huge change in direction and you're going to have to set up, you know, you have to slow down the momentum towards the unwanted outcome of getting sicker and eventually dying and turn that around and reverse it. So you're going towards health again. And, you know, one of the ways I've thought about like really serious diseases like heart disease and, and cancers is that it's like the you know the when you look at the different stages of cancer for example stage 1 you know just barely started to stage 2 stage 3 stage 4 where it's serious business and you know if you have one of the more uh slow moving cancers you might have you know 2 3 4 years you know some without being treated is generally, um, you know, medicine has ways, you know, surgeries and radiations and chemo that will keep people alive for years at this point for most of the types of cancer. Um, and some, some people recover and go on to stay in remission, you know, for decades. Um, but it ultimately it's all about momentum and shifting that momentum away from the unwanted goal and changing it towards the the goal you want, better health and longer life. And do I have any... Yeah, that was really it. Just kind of a, a short, like, we should touch base there. Um, and, you know, one of the the rules of thumb was like if you know the if you had been struggling with a health issue for 10 years then in generally speaking um it would take about a month for every year to get back to a point where you're symptom free and you know depending on um you know, how motivated somebody is and how much discipline they have in following, you know, the the advice of their medical doctor or alternative medicine professional, you know, the the faster that, that healing process, that reversal of momentum um, and gaining new, you know, new momentum towards a good goal, the faster that can happen. Um and one of the curious things that I came across was the fact that it was really the people that had life-threatening diseases that ended up making the biggest, you know, the biggest changes. And I was like, well, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you have a lot of motivation <laughs> where people with, you know, 
less dire uh, health issues oftentimes you know would not have that that big uh big desire that big motivation to make make you know big changes and in what they're doing and uh you know for the people who are facing you know imminent death you know generally they were open to making many lifestyle changes where the people who you know just have some aches and pains or some minor um minor symptoms you know generally they were only willing to do some you know nutritional supplements and not really willing to look at changing their diet at least not in a radical way um and then of course you've got the people who are just like well generally the people who are super motivated about health they really don't need to come in and talk to uh you know a health expert at a holistic center or anywhere else you know they may you know just uh see their chiropractor or physical therapist or some other specialist that you really you know doing therapies that are very hard to do by yourself. Um, so that pretty much wraps my, uh, my little segue into momentum that, you know, in general, the lot, you know, if it's, it's a month per year. Um, so if you've known you've had heart disease for 10 years, you know, expecting it to be in complete remission shorter than, you know, 10 months is probably not going to happen unless you have a huge desire to to make big lifestyle big lifestyle changes. Um but, you know, there are some things that you know, I remember one woman came in and she had to be very careful about eating carbohydrates and uh, I was like well it's you can get rid of those symptoms like within within a week she was like no way I was like yeah you know do this you know basic supplement package basically was probiotics colostrum and iodine selenium were the four primaries that I strongly strongly recommended everyone do as a starting point and sure enough you know i got word through i think it was her daughter was the first i heard and she was like oh my mom's like already feeling the difference and it was like the second day or the third day or something and then she came in a couple weeks later or so and was just all smiles she's like i can have a piece of cake now and it doesn't like cause huge discomfort so, you know, some things that you've suffered with for years and years can literally be changed in, in days, or if not even faster than that. Um, like I said, like sometimes people notice a big improvement by the next day. And I've had, you know, personally, I've taken like iodine and I've noticed a big change in a, you know, within hours. Um, so it all depends on how... Uh, um, adventurous you are and how, how big, 
how big of doses you're willing to go towards the upper end of you know what research is shown to be you know a safe with minimal uh, you know side effects type of a thing um, all right so 211 we're going to start talk about terrain versus germ theory. Actually, before we start talking about that, I am going to play some music. And uh, after that break, we'll come back and talk about the big topic of the day, terrain theory versus germ theory. So what track to play? How about Through the Rain? Everything I wish for, everything I dream of, is nothing if I can't share it with you. I could save you from your fears, whisk them all away. I'd make any sacrifice necessary. I don't want to see you suffer something deep inside. I want to shine the light of hope into your darkest night. Though my candle's burning, it's up to you to see. Darling, only you can set yourself free.
I am back, and uh, after I uh, played that track and stood up from my chair, I was like, oh, forgot one little thing. I just wanted to, you know, briefly mention about momentum, and you now I was talking about lifestyle changes. Well, when we're, you know, in, in my like big picture view of of health. You know, I, I make the analogy of a construction project. Um, so if you address each of the eight areas of construction from the structure of your body itself, you know, and for me, chiropractic has been, you know, um, the primary way that I've been addressing the structure of my body back since uh, 1990. So uh, about 30 years now, and uh, highly, highly recommend it. There's all kinds of different types of chiropractors, very low low force, like they really don't move bones. Their focus is on the nervous system itself, which is what I'm currently using, and network spinal. Uh, it's been known as network chiropractic, network spinal analysis, I think now they're like rebranding themselves as network spinal. So, and then the different, the seven different parts of the construction or, you know, uh, maintenance aspect, aspects, the raw materials, the transportation, the blueprints, which is the DNA, which is the major way you can impact your, your blueprint is by making sure that you are, Eating a, you know, the, the the diet that we're really designed to eat, which is plants, you know, vegetables, fruits, and nuts. Of course, there's lots of debate about that, but to me, it's pretty, pretty black and white. Um, short of that, you can take probiotics, different bacterial, bacterial strains that kind of go against the, the momentum of uh, where your bacterial, uh, different types of bacterial strains that are in your body because of what you eat, um, you can shift that by just putting in the bacteria that would naturally be there by eating a, a plant-based diet. Um, and then hits aspect number four, the workers, which of course most of your workforce are bacterial. And then the tools, which are the enzymes that are created largely in your liver and need you know the kind of the the key elements of that are needed for enzymes to be made in your liver um we talked a bit about um on the trace element analysis show and the show we did about minerals for the genetic code um aspect 6 communication which we talked a little bit about today with proprioception. And, you know, to me, the big, most powerful aspect of communication is our emotional state that is literally changing our heart rate, our heart rhythms, the way our heart sings, um, that our heart radio that we all broadcast as long as we're alive on this planet is emotionally modulated. So we have a EM radio versus an FM 
that you probably have in your car, which is the frequency modulation. Our heart is emotionally modulated. And then the seventh aspect is energy, which we've talked quite a bit about on uh, a few of the diff- few of the shows. Um, I went into it in some detail in the the show about dieting. All right, so the next topic of the day is terrain versus germ theory, and we are at let me just hit two o two. Two hours, two minutes remaining. So I've got the uh, Wikipedia page open, and they are quite. There's quite the contrast when you look at the the Wikipedia page for the germ theory of disease versus the Wikipedia page for terrain theory. <laughs> Um, germ theory, of course, is the the current scientific consensus, um, and uh, you know you probably uh, know as much as you need to know about it already. I mean, at this point, we're being inundated by you know the the believers in this uh, theory of disease. And um, but it was you know it's been around for probably longer than you you may have been aware unless you've been reading some history on it or looking at this Wikipedia page. But the basic forms of it um, were proposed in the late Middle Ages by different physicians, including Ibn Sina, in 1025. Um, and of course, most of you will be familiar with Louis Pasteur from France, who um, the Wikipedia says a transitional period began in the late 1850s. So this is just before uh, the Civil War here in America, um, with the work of Louis Pasteur, um, and was later extended by Robert Koch in the 1880s. And the other tab I have opened up here is for Louis Pasteur. And I was like, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I I know I've looked at this before, but it wasn't fresh in my mind. Like, one of the things that I think about when it comes to health is like, if I'm going to, me personally, I don't want to go to somebody who's falling apart health-wise to get health advice. You know, it's just like you don't want to take your car to a, a mechanic whose car is falling apart and won't start. Like, that would be a, like, red flag, right? Um, so a big indicator of, like, how smart somebody is as an area Um for health is, well, how long did they live? You know, assuming they didn't get run over by a truck, you know, that wasn't, or or they were murdered. <laughs> um, you know, no fault of their own type of a thing. Um, so I was looking at their birthdays and uh, when they were alive. And uh, so Louis Pasteur was born 
in Dole, France in 1822. He's a December 27th baby. Uh, and the main, you know, the mo- guy most famous for the terrain theory is Antoine Béchamp. I think I have that right. And he was born uh, was 1816 in October. So Antoine Béchamp, the you know the the most well-known advocate or early advocate for the ger- uh, ter- excuse me for the terrain theory of disease, was six years older than Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur lived until 1895. Uh, he died at age 72. Where Antoine lived until 1908. He died at the age of 91. So, you know, I think we've all met people who are not that brilliant. Um, at least, you know, generally considered, you know, not to be geniuses. Of course, I think everyone has has genius designed into them. It's just whether it's expressed or not in, during their lifetime on Earth. But eventually it will be uncovered, as I believe, in an indefinite ongoing life in the spirit world. And who knows what's beyond that. Um but anyway, you know, as as someone who's in the alternative, the other side of the fence, you know, I'm in the terrain theory camp. Um, you know, even before becoming a you know a paid health professional, um, you know, that idea of like, well, paying attention to you know the fruit <laughs> of you know what what is the evidence showing that this person really knows what they're talking about so with the you know with the mechanic like what's their car look like if you know so with someone who's in the healing profession um to me when you know was you know I was bef- I didn't get into this stuff until after I was you know 4 months after I had uh, listened to the Zane Baranowski uh uh, cassette tape was, which was recorded from Skip Snow's radio show, and um, but you know after I was working one day a week on Saturdays, I you know in between people walking through the door, I was spending almost all my time that I did wasn't doing inventory or ordering products, um, you know digging into the internet and finding out more and more and more. Um, so I found this and I was like, well, well, that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, terrain guy lives 20 years, almost 20 years longer than the guy who believes in germ theory. Um, so let me read you about terrain theory. And I like actually that they don't say it's the terrain theory of disease because I think I can speak for most people who uh, are on the terrain side versus the germ side that 
you know, we're focused on health. This is the Turing theory of health, health and wellness. We're not focused on disease. It's like, <laughs> reminds me of, you know, growing up here in Massachusetts, like when, when we were taught how to drive in the snow, it's like, <laughs> you have to look where you want to go. Like <laughs> if, if you look towards the, the fire hydrant or that telephone pole, that's most likely where you're going to, you know, where the front end of your car is going to end up. Um, so if you're focused on disease, there's a, you know, the same thing follows that you're going to end up head on collision with, uh, with disease of some kind or another. So it's all, you know, all about intention and, you know, setting your, uh, your focus, setting your course, creating a momentum and uh, the terrain theory. The entry on Wikipedia is two paragraphs (laughs) where the germ theory disease we got one, two huge paragraphs to begin, and then there's one, two, three, uh, three major sections. Um, miasma theory is the first, development the second, you know, as far as the history of it through the Middle Ages all the way through Pasteur and, and Coke, um, and then sanitation, and then, you know, the other kind of standard uh, sections on Wikipedia, but you know you have to. It's quite a lot of scrolling to get down to the bottom and look at it, all the references and external links, and then you look at terrain theory, and it's the first thing you see there is a big exclamation mark in a box. This article has multiple issues. Please help improve it, or discuss these issues on the talk page. And then it has the issues with it that uh, that this article rely, relies largely or entirely on a single source, and that this article is an orphan, as no other articles link to it. Please introduce links to this page from related articles. Yeah, so you know, there's as you may. <laughs> or probably are aware, like there is a lot of nutrition experts out there. Um, you know, the, by and large back in the day, they, they, they usually, usually were working at, uh, at vitamin, uh, vitamin shops and nutrition stores and things like that. Days like as the saying goes, you, you can't throw a, a rock or a, a a stick or how, I don't remember how that saying goes. Anyway, can't spit without <laughs> hitting something. Well, if you, you know, there's so many pages on the internet dedicated to nutrition now. It's just like, wow. You know, back in, you know, 2004 when I was getting started and the internet was still kind of new, like you could, pr- you pretty, you know, as much as I was diving into it, like to me, it was like, you know, 16 hours a day every day for years. And, you know, within the first three years, I pretty much been to every uh, health and nutrition website that existed back then. Um, Nowadays, you could spend lifetimes, you know, (laughs) 
hundreds of years before you would, you know, even hit a fraction of the different websites that are available out there. Um, so that, you know, as I saw this happening in the web, you know, the interwebs just growing exponentially, you know, one of the thoughts that occurred to me is like, well, you know, there's so much information out there and so much of it is, you know, not well presented and there's not any like logical structure for it that kind of ties everything together and divides things in, in the major categories, which is, you know, where the construction analogy um, came into play for me right around 2007. And uh, so the terrain theory we have two whole paragraphs on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, it says it is a theory of disease proposed by Antoine Béchamp, uh, which I would dis you know I disagree. I'm going to nitpick and say no, it's not a theory of disease. It's a theory theory of health and wellness. And uh, so he proposed that a disease body the terrain of that body will attract germs to come as scavengers of the weakened or poorly defended tissue. And, you know, when I think about, you know, microorganisms, you know, they're the foundation of all higher life forms. And there's really only two things that are happening in the micro uh, microbiome, you know, there are uh, bacteria that are designed, you know, they are supporting life. They are probiotic. And that's, you know, back when I first started probiotic, it only referred to the bacteria themselves. And now it's used in a more general sense of anything that supports life. But you have, you know, it, you you have microbes that are building life up, and then you have microbes that are tearing life down and recycling what is no longer a healthy uh, animal or plant um, or insect. You know, there every life form is is built, constructed, and then when it comes to the end of its healthy uh, lifespan, it is deconstructed. So thinking about, um, you know, infection, if you are have a high amount of life, life force energy in you, you're you're going to be bulletproof. It doesn't matter. This is the the whole basis of terrain theory is that if your if your terrain is strong, there, there's no no bacteria, no virus, no fungi that's going to be able to get a, gain a foothold. One of the you know the ideas you know the analogies is is if you're gardening, like. If if you're planting, I don't know, blueberries, and that blueberry bush is gets well established and it's healthy, 
then you really don't have to worry about weeds. You know, that the good, the you know, the good life that you want will crowd out and kind of uh, it will dominate the resources that are necessary, including sunlight. Um, so that you know the unwanted things, the weeds, don't have an opportunity to grow. And that same uh, that same idea is what the terrain theory is all about. Which to me, it's like, well, it's kind of self-evident. Like anybody who's ever you know planted anything <laughs> will have direct experience with. Um, so second sentence of the uh, first paragraph here is that Béchamp believed that the pH of the body is important and that an acidic pH will attract germs and an alkaline pH will repel them. And we'll come back to that. But I'm going to go ahead and finish up the, uh, the entirety of the entry here the second paragraph and final paragraph of terrain theory. In modern science, germ theory as developed by Louis Pasteur has been the scientific consensus for many years. Germ theory states that microorganisms, bacteria, viruses, and fungi are the cause of most diseases. It is the cornerstone of modern medicine in treatment of disease while terrain theory is now medically obsolete. And that, my friends, <laughs> the, the fact that terrain theory is medically obsolete is why we are bankrupting ourselves with our health care costs in this country. The largest piece of the pie at the national level is health care bigger than our military. That was like, holy cow. We spend, but then I, I, I just kind of lump, lump this stuff all together. Um, as far as the, you know, the model, uh, the model that we use in medicine, the germ theory of disease is a war against microorganisms. So I lump medical spending into the war category, just to, you know, right next to uh, the spending we have on our military, as well as our agriculture, which is probably the, the largest part of our economy. Everyone needs to eat. Everyone's a customer. Well, conventional agriculture is based on a war model and basically all of business is a war model. It's a competition, you know. You have to defeat the competition. So the vast majority of everything that we do on this planet is based upon violence. It's based upon waging war and defeating and conquering. And uh, as I briefly mentioned in a previous episode, you know, if you want to uh, have more life in a system, adding violence to it should be obvious that you're never going to be able to achieve, you know, 
greater and greater levels of vitality by adding violence. But this is where we are nowadays. We are all about the violence. And the only, you know, the, the, when I, when I look at, you know, big, big picture, the, the thing that drives us is not theories, it's feelings. And anything based on, on, uh, conquering and uh, and violence. Any any uh, thing that's using a war model is based on fear and anger, and that's going to have to end. And the only way that it can end is by learning these foundational truths that are built into the structure of the universe that God created for us to experience our lives in. And you know the the re, you know one of the big reasons that I mentioned this before um, that I haven't done this show before now is that I've just been convinced that there weren't enough people out there who were ready to listen. And as I was uh, taking my notes this morning, um, I was like, yeah, I mean, it was great that. I got the shock, like the wake-up call about how much people needed to hear this alternative understanding. But it's also, uh, you know, it prompted me to start this show. But at the, you know, at the same time, the worst time to try and learn something is when you're terrified. And I was like, well, at least I'll get some practice in. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll get back in the habit of... Uh, of you know putting out there instead of just constantly taking in more information in in more information and uh not really you know the more that you share the more that you'll learn things on a deeper level and it's like well I want to learn faster <laughs> so here we are and uh let's see what else do I have down here so I went through the Wikipedia entries. I have a note here that I want to talk about Dr. Elaine Ingham. And pretty much go into that. That's kind of the, will be the last section of uh, covering the, uh, or basically, uh, you know, I've talked about, you know, how terrain theory is different from, from germ theory. And I did say I was going to get back to uh, what Bechamp believed that the pH of the body is important, that an acidic pH will attract germs and an alkaline pH will repel them. So, you know, the word germ, as it's used here, uh, is referring to pathogenic bacteria, pathogenic viruses, pathogenic fungi, which all have, you know, the, that big picture view, their job is to deconstruct living systems, whether it's a human or a plant or fungi or insect, 
that needs to be recycled so it could, that the physical matter that makes up that creature can be used again to make new and healthy life. Um, so one of the things I learned, I think it was while writing, writing the book down in, down in the Asheville, the mountains north of Asheville, um, was this idea that, like, made it just like, well, oh, that's such a great way of understanding this whole acid alkaline pH thing that was, you know, everyone was talking about it. You know, people had their pH test strips and they were checking their saliva and or checking the pH of their urine and and it seemed a bit woo woo, <laughs> like really, it's you know, it. Anyway, the uh, the book that ended the uh, kind of the the doubt that I had in my own mind about you know is this a useful uh, thing to be checking you know the the pH of your saliva like you know I'd I'd read articles on either side saying like yeah well there's all kinds of different pHs in the body and like. You know, the stomach needs to be super acid and the intestinal tract needs to be alkaline and, um, you know, the blood needs to be alkaline, but, out, you know, the, the fluid between the cells ha- is going to be acidic. And so I was like, kind of like in the wind, kind of bouncing around going, I don't know, this doesn't really seem solid to me. But the book that turned it all around, I... Um, I've mentioned uh, this book before. It's called Healing is Voltage. And uh, that's by Dr. Tennant. And I have it opened up in my uh, Kindle reader for the PC onto the page where he's talking about where you know pH can be converted directly to voltage. And that was... Like, you know, the angels sang and, you know, uh, it was just like, oh, of course. Now now there's like no doubt in my mind that, you know, we want to be more alkaline. Absolutely. It's obvious. Um, So he has a little chart here. Um, So neutral. A pH of 7 is 0 millivolts. A pH of 0, which is highly acid, it's like you can't get more acid, uh, is plus 400 millivolts. And a pH of 14, highly alkaline or basic, is minus 400 millivolts. So negative charge is indicates that there's uh, more energy, more electrons. So there's, when you have more energy, you can do more work. Um, And he describes this as, um, well, let's see, I'll just read from the top of the page here. 
He, this is in chapter three, the title of the chapter, Healing is Voltage. Um, he began his journey towards uh, getting well by rec- recognizing that, that cells are designed to run between a pH of 7.35 and 7.45. Um, he says, I also began my journey with the idea that if I could figure out how to make one cell work, I could make them all work. Um, and I highly recommend uh, you know, doing a search on YouTube and, and uh, looking for either an interview or a presentation that uh, Dr. Tennant has done. Um, if you just put in healing as voltage and put that into YouTube, you'll find him. Um, so let's skip bunch of this stuff. We come down to, okay, so with this understanding that that pH is convertible into voltage, um, a pH of 7.35 is the same as a voltage of minus 20 millivolts. And a pH of 7.45 is the same as a voltage of Minus 25 millivolts. So your your cells have to be in an energy surplus, which kind of makes sense that you know if a cell is going to be alive, it has to have excess energy. It has to have a surplus of energy, otherwise, it's not going to be you know fully healthy. So he has. A little breakdown about electron stealers and electron donors. Um, you, pretty much everyone I've ever met and talked about health is familiar with the idea of antioxidants, like vitamin C, for example. And my favorite antioxidant, iodine. They antioxidants are electron donors, and electron stealers are known as free radicals. So coming down here, we have uh, a table describing the different cell voltages and you know what pH that corresponds to and, and what can happen there. Uh, what's you know what's the the way we can describe that pH or or cell voltage? And because you know basically uh, you know healthy cells should be at minus twenty five millivolts. Um, if you want to, do, if a cell needs to divide, then the voltage has to double so that when the cells split apart, both of the, the cells, the, the original and the new one, both are at a healthy voltage. So as it, the cells getting ready to divide, the voltage has to go up to minus 50 millivolts. And then after division happens, both have half of that energy. And it's interesting, you know, minus 25 is normal for adults, where a minus 35 millivolts is normal for kids. So, you know, my whole whole gig is like, I want to be Peter Pan. I want to I want to stay young indefinitely, and uh, so I know that if I want to achieve 
uh, you know, base, you know, an indefinite lifespan. Because I don't want to stay here forever. The, uni- the universe is infinite. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I want to stick around long enough to change the the momentum of this planet towards back towards the Garden of Eden. And you know, once it's safely on that heading, then you know, I'm going to go explore the rest of creation. And maybe I'll come back here and there to check in on things. But, um, you know, I know that I'm only going to be able to achieve that goal of being young for hundreds of years if I can get up to, you know, an average cell voltage of minus 35. So when energy drops, he says at minus 15 volts, which is a pH of 7.26. That is when you're going to be generally tired. And when it drops again to minus 10 millivolts, a pH of 7.18, that's when you're going to be sick. You'll be taking a day off instead of just kind of dragging through your work day. Of course, zero is neutral. And he says this is you know, a change in polarity. And when you get all the way up to plus 30 millivolts, this is when a cancer will, um, when a cell will become, you know, a cancer cell. And tying in what I'd learned before coming across this book was the idea that um, first that, you know, that no cancer can survive in a high oxygen environment. And this was based on the work of Otto Warburg, if memory serves me correctly. I believe he is a Nobel Prize winner. And um, later when I was deciding, you know, what type of lab work I wanted to do to base my uh, my my naturopathic consultations on, I was looking at this. Um, uh, Re is it Reams? Yeah, I think the guy's name was Reams. Reams theory of biological ionization, and one of the th- things I learned when I was, uh, you know, studying that, and looking at it, was that there are certain pH values where different minerals or different, you know nutritional elements are able to be absorbed by by the cells and that when the pH dropped into the acidic range that oxygen is no longer absorbable by the cell so when Dr. Tennant here has you know the acidic pH of 6.48 and a a plus 30 millivolts, this is where cancer happens. You know, what I learned in the, the Reams theory of biological ionization was that it was basically the only way that a, a cell with an acidic pH can survive is to stop using oxygen because oxygen's just not there. Um so really, cancer is a last-ditch effort for the cell to stay alive. And 
you know, now looking back on all these different pieces of of the cellular health puzzle, I'm like, it's just so simple, elegant, and beautiful. And to me, this is an indication that we're on the right track because, you know, what God created was perfect, beautiful. You know, we have legends all across the world about how beautiful the world used to be um, back at the beginning after uh, human beings first arrived and how we've, you know, we've fallen from grace. And one of the things that, you know, occurs to me on a regular basis, you know, the, the difference between someone who believes in, uh, you know, uh, evolution and that life started just randomly, it just kind of, you know, the, the laws of the universe, you know, universes are created all the time. And then, you know, eventually the right mix of laws happens and then, you know, the universe doesn't immediately, you know, explode again into a, another big bang or something. And then eventually the, if, if enough of the laws are harmonious with life developing, then it develops and the, it slowly evolves and becomes more and complex over billions and billions of years. Um, and then you get to the point of having complex life like ourselves and like, well, we, if, you know, we've gotten to this point and life has gotten to this point, you know, there's, you know, a, a fairly strong amount of faith that, you know, all these different survival mechanisms, you know, they've had, you know, millions and millions of years to, you know, fine tune themselves. But one of the things that uh, I should probably make a note, we, we stopped talking about uh, terrain versus germ specifically. Let's see, what's our time stamp here? Uh, 1.24. Um, and what are we talking about now? Evolution versus creationism. Evolve versus creation. <laughs> um, of course, I'm biased. I've always, you know, at the at the least, I've been agnostic. Um, but I've always believed there must be a first cause. That the idea of something being created out of nothing is just it. You know, I think it's a magical way of thinking that. You can have something from nothing. That's magic to me. And this is basically consensus science nowadays, which is, to me, I find it extremely ironic that all these serious scientists are at the very core of you know, the bedrock of their, um, of their philosophy is a belief in magic, that you can have something from nothing. Um, so I've always been agnostic and now I'm leaning towards actually believing in, uh, in, a 
a creator that came before creation, that a creator that's always existed, didn't have a beginning, um, which tidally fixes the problem of, you know, the, uh, well, if there was a Big Bang, then what was before the Big Bang? And Oh, another Big Bang. Well, what was before that Big Bang? Another Big Bang. Um, infinitely, you know, infinitely recursive, I think is the proper phrase. In, instead, we just have an, an eternal, always existing creator, which there's two options or three, I guess. You could have a perfectly loving creator. You could have an evil creator, which is like the Gnostic idea, um, which when I first started, started learning about Gnosticism, I didn't really get the fact that it was believed in a, <laughs> an evil God. Um, I thought it was all about, you know, having a personal experience with the creator versus, you know, having to go through a priest or a minister in the, the structure of the church. But the more I was reading about Gnosticism, the more I was like, oh, that's kind of more than I thought, <laughs> more negative than I thought. And then, you know, in between the extremes of God's an evil bastard or a evil bitch or evil combination of both to, you know, perfectly loving combination of both male and female to somewhere in the middle. Um, to me, the idea that anything that has always existed is all powerful knows everything <laughs> could have anything but love and joy just doesn't make sense it, you know it's to me having a you know a creator that is either all the way black or some shades of gray mixture of good and evil it just seems ridiculous to me like when when i look at the how human beings behave you know, the only time that there's violence in human society is when there is a lack of resources. And then we fight over them because we, you know, our survival instinct, you know, so our so-called survival instinct kicks in, which to me, it's not a, it's not something God put in us. It's, it's, uh, it's just fear. And that, In uh, in the design, God designed us to feel all our emotions. And when we go against that design by not feeling all of our emotions, by, you know, avoiding our, our grief and avoiding our fear, um, that's when we get into problems. And that's, that's why we were, you know, quote unquote, kicked out of the garden. So the only way back is to return to the loving design, which is uh, to feel everything and, uh, and to learn from it. Because what I have learned over the last eight years by, uh, by following the teachings of A.J. Miller, who I believe is somehow connected to, to the Christ, um, how exactly, I hope, you know, I know I'll fi find out eventually, but, um, you know, I've studied all kinds of spiritual traditions and 
you know, read all, read all kinds of books channeled by, you know, different mediums and psychics and philosophers. And though philosophy hasn't been a huge pull for me, but anyway, the, uh, the idea of uh, the only reason why we don't have paradise here on earth is because we have emotional baggage that's preventing us from seeing the truth and, uh, you know, taking a truth, experiencing it, and changing that into wisdom. And that the only way to uh, back into the garden is through wisdom. And the only way to get to wisdom is to get rid of all of our emotional baggage, which, you know, I've mentioned before about, you know, people are familiar with, uh, tunnel vision that people get when they're afraid and, you know, perceiving things that they're afraid of instead of what's actually there. And, you know, my favorite example is, you know, seeing a piece of rope or an extension cord or something up in the distance in the, in the twilight. And you're like, Oh, it's a snake. Oh, turn around and run away. And it's just, you know, a piece of rope or. So, you know, Perception of truth while you're afraid is dicey business. All right, so I can minimize that window for... Actually, I wanted to get his full name. Let's see. Yeah, Jerry L. Tennant. T-E-N-N-A-N-T. And I was thinking he was a dentist, but uh, he is a medical doctor. Um, there have been a few dentists over the years that have that I've read books um, on health about. Anyway, uh, you owe yourself. Well, I highly recommend uh, you know, doing a, a search on YouTube and and. Uh, hearing Jerry's story about, you know, the, the huge, uh, health challenge he faced and, uh, how he, uh, how he found his way out of that hole. And now he's gone on to, you know, help heal thousands of people beyond count, probably at this point, other than the one who counts all things, (laughs) uh, all right, so that's the end of that. We are at one fifteen remaining in the show. So I am going to um, play some music, go take a barefooted walk outside in the sunlight. It's uh, almost 50 degrees. And I will be back back in five or six minutes let's see we are going to play on the way there's a baby who's crying while her mother is lying in her own little world far away and the pain of rejection Builds the need for affection to crowd. 
loving to stay And all that we're wishing for Is to not hurt anymore And that help is somewhere a long way It's on the way It's on the way, It's on the way. Oh, it's on the way. It's on the way. Mm, It's on the way. There's a child who is fighting. Because reality's frightening Their defense just becomes their attack And their parent is leaving But it's themselves they're deceiving They think they can make them come back And all that we're wishing for
All right, I am back at the mic. It is a nice day outside. It is trash pickup day today here in this part of Framingham. Brought in my uh, trash and recycling bins. And uh, came back to my workspace here. And I was very happy to see that I had a, a message from the staff at Blog Talk Radio saying they are looking into the reasons why I am not showing up in the in the directory under health as, as well as not showing up as you know being a live or upcoming show or archive show just totally invisible um, so I am very much looking forward to uh, to that being fixed so people who uh, Come on to come uh, blog talk health radio and and take a peek around to see what's happening out there that I will actually show up <laughs> oh man, I am so looking forward to the day when when I have you know a switchboard full of people um, even if they're just listening and don't want to actually you know talk talk with me that I don't know that that to me will be a big milestone that will uh let me know that I'm doing something that is worthwhile um, for other people. I mean, it it feels worthwhile to me, even though I haven't had a single caller. Like, at least I've gotten some feedback offline from uh, two of my my closest brothers in the world. I actually gotten feedback from three. My my nephews actually give me some positive feedback as well. Um, anyhow, I. Um, I've gone through all the things I had planned to say, and I did a little bit more by talking about uh, religion a little bit. And, um, you know, I was really kind of struggling with, uh, you know, going forward into, you know, the the more personal, spiritual, and religious aspects of my understanding of health. And... Um, so when I woke up this morning and, and had, you know, a couple different things pop into my mind and then eventually the, the third, I was like, oh, cool. Well, I don't have to worry about talking about that, that uh, very sensitive subject areas of, you know, spirituality and life after death and religious belief and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, when I think about you know, who do you talk to that, you know, who do you talk to about those types of subjects? And it's usually people that you've known for quite a, you know, a good chunk of time anyway. It's fairly rare for it to happen the first time you meet somebody, though I, I have personally found an exception um, out in my life where I'll have deep conversations with complete strangers. And I think, you know, there's a certain safety in in being anonymous and having a conversation like that because you're probably never going to meet this person ever again. Um, and in that experience in my life has really, you know, driven my desire to to do this talk show here with in an audio only format instead of doing what I'm seeing so many people now in. Uh, 
in social media. They're, you know, doing live streams on Facebook and live streams on YouTube and, you know, recording interviews um, and then posting them up to, you know, YouTube or Vimeo or probably lots of different places I've never even heard of at this point. Um, because I, I wanted there to be uh, an extra kind of buffer, you know, of, uh, of not putting yourself out there so much to, you know, to join a zoom video call, for example, which, you know, I, you know, I still think at some point I I may do that. Um, Because ultimately, you know, with zoom, you can choose whether you, you know, display live video when you're part of a, a zoom room um, or you can, you know, leave it blank, or you can put up a, a picture, or you know, a cartoon character, or whatever you want to put up. Um, but you know, it's kind of reminds me a little bit of growing up, and I was, you know, watched a TV show uh, called Taxi, and you know, loved the show. Is you know, a situation comedy, and uh, have good memories about it, and kind of left this romantic idea of uh, how, you know, I, I like to be a taxi driver someday. Um, and, you know, back in 2011, 2012, I actually was a taxi driver and I loved it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I had, uh, you know, my, my life's calling, uh, singing its siren song to me and uh, it pulled me, into writing mode and uh, eventually to talking mode. So, yeah, I was, you know, talking about, you know, why are we here on an, you know, an old kind of school thing doing a audio only instead of video. And that's really the, you know, what I was thinking and, and of course, and I was like, well, yeah, you, I'm being so concerned about, you know, you know, people wanting to be more anonymous. Um, but I was like, that's also true for, for me <laughs> that, you know, one of my friends uh, joined quarantine karaoke on Facebook and people are, you know, recording themselves sing you know, their favorite song and posting the, the video up into the Facebook group. And she posted a couple, um, and uh, she invited me to do a duet with her, and I was just like went into immediate like shields up, <laughs> set course for the uh, as far away from <laughs> from this conversation as possible. Um, so yeah, I acknowledge that a large, you know, a big reason why I'm here instead of doing. Uh, you know, live streams or Zoom Zoom rooms, uh, because I really don't want to put my face out there. Um, anyway, that wraps up uh, my talking for the day. Almost made it to full two hours this time, which I guess is kind of pretty close to my average as far as speaking my mind about whatever. Um, so I am... I'm going to mute up the mic and post up in the chat room here that 
I am available. It, but the you know really the only effective way to get me back to the mic in the last hour of the show, unless I'm you know inspiration strikes and I like ah oh, this here's this other cool thing I want to do, <laughs> want to talk about, to send me a text message. And where is my little notepad where I can cut and paste stuff? There we go. All quiet. Text me at 508-207-8129, and I will come back to the microphone. So until the next inspiration strikes or the next text message hits, I will be muted out, and uh, I'm going to go over and uh, do my music lessons for the day. And But feel free to interrupt me. <laughs> like, this is just kind of the the most, I was like, well, if I'm going to be near, you know, nearby, like, I might as well practice my guitar and piano. So, anyway, I am off, and uh, text me if you want me back at the mic. So I'm back, and I realized that uh, I forgot what it was that I said I was going to come back to when I got back from my little walk around outside and getting my recycling bin back off the curb. Um, I promised that I was going to talk more about terrain theory and uh, what I have up next on my notes and I, um, I don't know. I need I need a better system, I guess, to remind myself that I haven't that there's still something to cover. <laughs> um, so back in 2015, I was I had been in Asheville um, for three years, and I had found out about a weekend conference um, that at that point, I believe it was only held in the springtime called the Organic Growers School. So I had gone um, in the spring of 2013, spring of 2014, and my final time that I have attended is in March of 2015. And 2015 was their 22nd annual uh, spring conference, and it was the first time in their history that they had a keynote speaker, and that speaker was Elaine Ingham, I-N-G-H-A-M, and Dr. Ingham had worked with the USDA to write with a couple of her colleagues. Um, where is that? Do I still have it? Yeah. Um, the Soil Biology Primer. And this is on, I'm reading this from the USDA website. Um, the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Uh, and under 
from the home page, there's links for soil health, and I am on the soil biology page where they're talking about the creatures living in the soil being critical to soil health. So uh, back to uh, you know the living living earth, the living ecology that uh, Skip Snow and Zane Baranowski Baranowski talked about so many years ago, um, and just captured my attention and uh, you know took my interest and passion for the subject to to outer space compared to what it had been. Um, you know, I, I first was exposed to that idea in the winter of 2003. So I uh, started work one day a week at the Holistic Health Center in the spring of 2004. Uh, so 11 years later, I... I'm in the middle, actually, towards the end of writing, writing my my first book, or at least lengthy book, or <laughs> compared to my what I consider my first book is a two pager called uh, "Are You Covering the Basics?" Um, so my second book, whole thirty pages, um, I had basically finished it, you know, I ended up editing it a whole bunch um, all the way through up until I think September 2015. But so anyway, I was kind of at, at the end of writing that book when I went to the 22nd annual spring conference of the Organic Grower School at Asheville. And I signed up for the pre-conference workshop with Elaine Ingham uh, which he titled Life in the Soil. And it was about four hours long. And I saw the cameras in the room and I asked, uh, and I was told that, yes, it was going to be recorded and it would be posted up to YouTube. Um, well, that never happened. They have a, the only thing I could find up on uh, the Living Web Farms YouTube channel is like a 15 minute, um, the first 15 minutes of that four hour block um, of what Elaine presented. And it's an unlisted video. So I was actually surprised that it came up in a, in a Google search. But, uh, and then I, you know, did a, well, I guess I did a search on YouTube. And then when I searched on Google for Elaine Ingham, you know, and looked at the video results, you know, there are all kinds of interviews, you know, lengthy interviews. I think the longest one was over three hours. Um, so, you know, I uh, I didn't actually watch any of those. <laughs> I didn't have time because I was just looking at that this morning before the show. Um but I imagine that none of them have like all the PowerPoint, um, you know, the PowerPoint presentation that she used and all that in a nice and tidy and well-organized structure of presenting what she knows um, because, you know, she has um, 
different classes you can take and you you can actually become a, a certified uh, expert in uh, the soil food web and um, so I you know I had recognized the uh, the parallel between the health of our our guts and the health of the food you know the the, the you know of our our soils that we grow our food on um, or raise our livestock on and uh, you know as I mentioned earlier you know the agriculture you know health in general whether it's animal or human health and farming is all based on war uh, and that was I, I did watch the the little fifteen minute intro. Uh, before the show today um, and actually saw myself on camera uh, as it panned across the room. And, um, you know, I, w- I was like, man, yeah, I remember listening to her for that fir- that in- introduction to, to, to her, you know, her history and what, what she's learned. And I was just blown away in the first 15 minutes. I was like, Man, this woman has it. She has got it figured out. Um, but it was interesting to me because after you know, after that pre-conference workshop, and then I think it was Saturday night. She was the keynote speaker, and I you know saw her. I don't know if it was before or after she gave her her keynote address, but you know her her health wasn't. You know, it wasn't rock solid, and uh, I wanted to have a conversation with her, but she didn't feel approachable to me, so I just kind of let her go. Um, but uh, you know, the she she was really instrumental in taking my um, highly controversial terrain theory of of health and wellness or as Wikipedia would say, the terrain theory of disease, um, into, you know, just kind of black and white. Like, this is solid. Like I talked about before with the uh, the book by Jerry Tennant, you know, Healing is Voltage, and taking the idea of pH and acidity versus alkaline or alkalinity um, from being kind of like, woo-woo, kind of fuzzy to just being solid black and white. And Elaine did this for me for the terrain theory of disease and how, you know, describing the, uh, you know, her website is, um, I think, Soil Food Web, where I've got the, uh, her webpage up here. Yeah, SoilFoodWeb.com. And, um, you know the the symbiotic relationships between all the different parts of the soil food web and how that is directly uh, that knowledge you know is directly transferable to the health of the soil of our guts was just like oh man, I was such a happy camper I was on cloud nine that day on that 
Friday pre-conference. Um, so that yeah, that was the big um, the big oops. <laughs> and uh, also, when I was poking around, I saw that uh, their twenty seventh annual Organic Grower School, um, their twenty seventh annual Spring Conference went on without a hitch because uh you know the the limit to a hundred people in an enclosed space didn't kick in until after uh this conference that just happened at the beginning of March. I think it was March sixth through the eighth. Um they uh got her done before that uh restriction got put in place. So I was very happy to to see that, and they've got videos um, on their website, which is organicgrowersschool.org, and uh, that is now a wrap. <laughs> and let's see, how long did we go on here? We are at 46 minutes remaining. I can put that into my add that to the show description satisfy the people who would like to easily skip around instead of just kind of click and pray that you might find something interesting and I will uh, yeah I'll leave it open for now I'll I'll come back hopefully before uh, time runs out and, and play my uh, end of the show track from Allison David until then peace all right I am back to the mic so um, one of the thoughts I've had is that um, you know how how anal retentive am I going to be as far as uh, you know being here for exactly three hours and zero minutes. (laughs) I, um, when I, uh, ended the show early yesterday, um, my nephew had, uh, come home and I hadn't seen him in a while. And, uh, you know, it was, I think within the last 10 minutes of the show. And I was like, well, yeah, it's really not enough time to have a decent conversation anyway. So I kind of, in that moment, didn't feel uh, um, didn't feel bad by uh, ending it before the the full three hour mark, and um, so I think that's going to be my uh, my general rule of thumb. Um, of course, I hope to have you know a full three hours of um, you know. The, you know, the in, including the intro and the music breaks, but you know, the rest of the time to fill the entire time with uh, conversations with with all with all y'all out there. But um, we got seven, just under seven, or just under eight minutes left, and I'm going to call it for the day. So I'm going to play uh, my finish the show track, "Dreams Come True," and uh, I will be. Back tomorrow at noon.
started on the road We've been traveling on Wanted to achieve our dreams And not be wrong So we crept into the dark To come out into the light To realize our fantasies Turned into reality And prove the dreaming can't be Thank you. 